This episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this. Elf Control, Melf is speaking. Putting you through. Elf Control is back. What would you like for Christmas? Well, I would like lots of things. Get I'd off, like. Grumble. It's third silly season, bringing joy to the festive season. We are going on a holiday. A holiday? From what, exactly? Well, I'm the one who needs a holiday around here. With a new automated workshop. I'm a sticker machine. I put stickers on. New reindeer. This is Quarry and Coo. They're learning to fly Santa's sleigh. But same old drama. Detectives in Gelf and Elf. We had a report of disturbance. I can't take much more of this. Find Elf Control on your podcast platform or social media. Catch up on the first two series now, or you might end up on the naughty list. Grumble, you know you're on the naughty list. Or was that the incompetent list? Elf Control is proudly part of the Podbreed Network. It's Santa Claus calling over. Hmm. Is she talking? Elvira, you're muted. You're muted! It can't be too much of a surprise that a movie with 10 original songs was a two-parter, right? So grab another mince pie and another glass of eggnog for another episode of that song from that movie. Come and sing with me. Proper Grimbo Selecte. Thank you for joining Good impression. Uh, thank you for joining that song from that movie, The Holiday Journey Through the Very Best and Worst of Christmas Movie Songs. I am your Pumpkin King host, Dietrich, and we're joined by the man who, every year, gets drunk on mulled wine and writes countless letters to his beloved Daily Mail, complaining that you can't even say Christmas nowadays without offending somebody. Alex. I don't know what to say to that. Other than it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Alex wants to stay as far away from the Daily Mail as possible. Yeah, which bit are you? Uh, do you have problems with? Is it the, the getting drunk on more wine, or is it the beloved Daily Mail? Yeah, that part. But you do get drunk. Yeah, well, doesn't everyone at Christmas? <laughs> Asterix at Christmas. <laughs> and he's coming down your chimney, Ben. <laughs> yeah, what a, what an awful experience for anyone at the bottom of that chimney. I need to start my own chimney. Okay, that can't be it. Yeah, that's it. No, no, I need a new flume. <laughs> right, so you've joined us on part two of our look at the songs of Nightmare Before Christmas. If you didn't know from part one, Santa is also here. Ooh, oh, he be- oh. Well, he best, he best run away, to be honest, for where we're going soon. Potentially. Uh, but it was Alex in control, so Alex, the power is back in your hands. Yes. So we are on to song number four of ten, and that song is the town meeting song where Jack returns from Christmas Town to try and convince residents of Halloween Town about the wonders of Christmas. But they don't seem to understand. So, uh, yeah, uh, Ben. It's not really a song <laughs> for me. Yep. Like I say, it's it's slightly uh, melodic exposition. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's interesting how they do the trying to explain these very obvious Christmas staples, like the tree, the stocking... And how the people of Halloween Town react. Other than that, uh, yeah, it's not a song. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with that in the sense that I'm not sure if it's on purpose. So maybe Alex will have this in his notes. I don't. But it almost feels like it's meta with Jack aware that he's in a musical and he keeps trying to start a song and dance with like the townspeople. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A but they don't get it, so it keeps breaking off and he has to restart again, which I guess makes it hard to critique as a song because. Yep. As Ben said, 
it's not a song. <laughs> um, so it's not on my uh, perfectly curated Christmas playlist. Yeah. What about you, Alex? <laughs> I think is is yeah, it's interesting what you guys are saying because I think we discussed in the first episode that the film was essentially written around the songs, where it feels like this song was written around the idea of a scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where it could have easily been script, couldn't it? Where, but they probably thought, oh, we haven't had, we haven't had a song in a little bit. Probably should make this into one and get it over quicker and without less. Yeah, without having to to come up with as many words. I don't know. It's um, yeah. I think I think you've summed up with it's not really a song. It even has song in the title. <laughs> the Dan Meeting song. Yeah, it's I don't really know what else to say about it myself other than there's a there's a good bit, isn't there, where it becomes almost like a Shakespearean soliloquy where Jack goes backstage <laughs> and is like, How do I reach these kids? It's like that kind of <laughs> moment. And then comes up with a little spiel about Sandy Claws and uh being lobster red and uh a bit evil. So yeah, it feels like a throwaway almost. It's essentially there as a how does Jack tell the people of Halloween Town about Christmas Town in a way that they will understand it. And I guess it comes back to the idea that they're all content with their lives and he isn't. I think you said it in the first episode, Ben, about how he tries to take over Christmas, but he doesn't himself really fully understand what he's trying to do mm-hmm. in the scene. It's like he's trying to convince them of what exactly. It's not really clear. Like, does he want them to embrace the sort of festive cheer of Christmas Town because he doesn't go down that route himself later on because he's possibly fundamentally incapable of doing that. So I think this is this is possibly the first song where this message or what it's actually trying to get across is confused slightly. It's a song that could have probably not been included. <laughs> we saying that a few times. Yeah, well, we'll move on. Yeah. We'll move on because there is probably yeah, like three or four almost back to back where you could do back without. Back, 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 and back. the next one of those is Jack's Obsession, uh, which I have bracketized, if that's a word. Something's up with Jack. Something's up with Jack. Um, so Jack spends some time trying to work out and understand Christmas and eventually decides to create his own version. So, yeah, what do you guys think of this one? Similar to the last one? When you said earlier about the um, Jack being schizophrenic, I was like, is he schizophrenic? And I was just wondering, and I was like, I don't think he is. And then just kind of rethinking and looking back at my notes, I was like, oh, wait, yes, he actually might be. (laughs) Because I think this song as well, I can't tell if throughout this, and maybe that's quite interesting, whether Jack's supposed to be the hero or villain. (laughs) Because in What's This, it feels like, oh, look, you know, it's like childish wonder, like discovering Christmas for the first time. How amazing is that? And then this one, like at the end, when he puts like the Christmas lights around an electric chair and he's like, you know, Christmas will be ours. And he's got this sort of very toothy, evil grin and he has the maniacal laugh. And it's like, wait a second, do I want him to have Christmas? (laughs) I don't know what's going on. And then it also doesn't feel like, similar to the previous song, and a bit what you were saying about the Shakespearean soliloquy, it it doesn't feel like a song. It feels like he's just talking to himself. Hmm. And then there's the delusions of grandeur of like you know I yeah, I can do this you know this is, I'm I'm the pumpkin king as he seems to say in almost every single yeah. song, mm-hmm. and yeah it just feels like the musings of someone at the end of their tether. <laughs> it does yeah because it's it's repeating so much it feels like we've already heard this song and it feels such a drag on the movie like why do we need to hear this again almost mm-hmm. I, I know it's not exactly the same but it just feels like we're repeating ourselves it sort of feels like. If this was a full 
blown musical, this wouldn't be considered its own song. It'd just be on the end. It'd be, it'd be something, something, something forward slash Jack's Obsession at the end on a soundtrack. Hmm. So let's just talk about the animation during this scene because I think it's it's one of the best shots when he slides across the room on one of those bookcase ladder things. <laughs> yeah, that must, have been, that must have been so hard to do. And then it just drops and starts dancing with the tree. <laughs> it's so smooth and pleasing on the eye. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a wonder how they managed to do some of this animation. Yeah, and I think actually it's a good point because in comparison to the last song, which not really much to splendor over in terms of the... The visual element. This one, I think, there definitely there is a lot of visual things going on. And like when he when he gets the uh, the little telescope and looks at like the berries and stuff, it's uh, there's a lot of creativity that's behind the this scene here. And I wonder whether this was one of the parts where they thought, oh, let's create something that looks visually great. And the song is an afterthought. I know that sounds odd because we discussed that the song came first, but it doesn't feel like this song is necessary, like you said in the plot. So it feels almost the reverse way around that maybe they came up with the scene like oh we need we need to have him singing it's 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 an odd one and because like you say like what what even is the result of this song it feels like it's there as a Jack has a realization of how he can harness Christmas to serve his own goals but what is that like it doesn't I know I'm just asking like, I don't understand what it actually mm. is that he's achieved here. Because he's essentially like, oh yeah, I can I can do my own version of Christmas. But it's like, but what is that version of Christmas? Is that version of Christmas what it becomes, where everything goes wrong and it's like a Halloween version of Christmas? Or does he want to do the good kind of Christmas and just do it instead of Chris, instead of Santa? It doesn't really, it's not clear. No. I've never been able to figure out whether or not he's trying to make a bad Christmas or if he's, he's got good intentions and it's going badly because it's Halloween town. Yeah, but then he doesn't... And I don't know if that's on purpose. Yeah, but he doesn't seem to think that it's going badly either when we get to that part later on. That's true. So it's it's confusing. (laughs) I think it probably just comes from... It's that, like, the ideal of how to fix something. Like, he's going all out when actually it's almost that kind of burnout level of he's trying too hard. It's that expectation of things need to be perfect and that he's this is the solution to all his problems. And I don't think he's trying to necessarily make it better for Christmas or the people of Halloween Town, really. I think it's to stop himself feeling sad. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, this is the antidote for my own melancholia. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think that that is a theme, actually, across Christmas films, generally, that people see Christmas of this moment or this ideal of like a new start or like a change and he's seeing Christmas as that. Yes. And and yes. that I think that that is what the film is about seems to be about at the beginning. And like yes that can be a self-deception and maybe he can realize that maybe Christmas wasn't the thing that he needed to change. But I think what happens in this film is that that change doesn't come. It's just a yeah. realization that oh no the change was probably not what I needed anyway. I'm fine. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's for me where, it, like, I feel like at this point I'm still a bit like, yeah, I kind of see what's going on, but still it's not really clear what he wants. But I agree with you, Ben, that maybe that's not entirely important. I suppose it's, he's just seeing it as his way of breaking out of boredom or of, yes, of his tedious routine. It's not really, it doesn't really matter whether it's <laughs> Christmas is Who is going to impact? Else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all so me. I think that's probably it, yeah. But yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll move on to... I think a song that at least uh, introduces something new after the previous two, and that is Kidnap the Sandy Claws. And it is sung by Lock Shock and Two Smoking Barrels. <laughs> As they are asked by Jack to kidnap Sandy Claws, 
and they sing about what, how they might attempt that. Um, I should also mention that these are Boogies Boys, <laughs> which is uh, a phrase that comes up a lot, which I enjoy. Um, and of course, just after the song, they accidentally kidnap the um, Easter Bunny instead. Um, so, yeah, what do you guys think? Oh, actually, just before we do that, just thinking of the Easter Bunny then, just maybe think about the doors. Yeah. The holidays that are chosen, to, that are represented on the doors, are really weird. Like, one of them is just like St. Patrick's Day. Like what? What St. Patrick's Day town? Like that's the film I want to see. It's just downtown Chicago. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. <laughs> or Boston. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. It's just the film The Depart is just playing. Yeah, the Departed. <laughs> Are you a co-op? Yeah, with the Dropkick Murphys playing over the top. Um, but yeah, because like it's just Thanksgiving, uh, St. Patrick's Day. It's like are they not really the same as Christmas and Halloween? But anyway, so yeah. So what do you guys think of this song? Yeah, it's it, it is really effective because it's it's really capturing. La, 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 la. You sort of know you know what they're trying to do, but and I, I can't stress this enough. I cannot stand those annoying little brats singing it. <laughs> like, yeah, well done. It's the intention. You're not supposed to like them, and you don't want them to win. But it, it all encapsulated by one line, which is that then Mister Boogie Man it cuts through me. <laughs> one more time, Nate. One more time. <laughs> then Mr. Oogie Boogie Man <laughs> so I need that sound bite for my own personal uh, text uh, oh my god it hurts me to my very soul the rest of the song even the other bits that, that character sings I enjoy but that one line oh it, it gets to me and it's not even it's not even an interesting line it's just <laughs> annoyingly sang yeah oh. Again, I think it's good world building. Of are these are these children? Are they supposed to be children? Yeah, I think so. I mean, they are they are twisted as. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are. Some of the things they're shouting, but again, like you know, when I think of like, yeah, you know, children can be cruel, probably more a lot crueler than a lot. <laughs> we can, uh, thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but some of the some of the lines are just are incredibly twisted, uh, and almost that childish buoyancy <laughs> alongside it is it's quite a. A weird like dichotomy, uh, uh, you know how they do it, and but there's that really weird line like you know if we do this jackal beetles black and green, it's like whoa. <laughs> and, uh, clearly, uh, some, yeah. clearly, some this is a, a very uh, ruling with an iron fist from the pumpkin king. I like I said, I like the world building. The song is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that just really greats, isn't it? Like yeah. like you both said, very clever. Yeah, I mean the line that really got me was kidnap Sandy Claus, tie him in a bag, throw him in the ocean. Then see if he is sad. Yeah. Who wouldn't be sad? <laughs> Let's tie him in a bag and throw him in the ocean. It's enough to make anybody depressed. It is, it is nice to say, though, that they do say um, um, put him in the special brew. So it's nice to know that special brew does exist in this world. So it's clearly why they're all so off their face, <laughs> just mad all the time. They've been supping, supping the super. Yeah. I, th- I think uh, as well, this what, what the song does as well is introduce you to the idea that there is, there are, even within Halloween Town, there is somebody who is evil, like beyond yeah, yeah, yeah. in in terms of the kid, the children, but also the oogie boogie man. So I do so, and that's about it. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's like you say, it's good in terms of world building, Ben, and it's uh, it just introduces it introduces something new into the film when I think it needs it, which is the character of, of of oogie boogie and an actual villain. Because like you said, like up until this point, it's not clear is Jack a hero, <laughs> is Jack evil. Um, so yeah, so I think it's a necessary song and. Uh, yeah, the voices actually of the of the the kids are two of them are Danny Elfman and Catherine O'Hara. They didn't they clearly didn't use a lot of voice actors for this film.
we'll move on to the next song, although I have no notes on it, and that is Making Christmas. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. No notes. No notes. Well, other than the fact that the song is just happens while the residents of Halloween Town are making Christmas presents, and generally they're making things that wouldn't be received well by the German population. Let's put it like that. Do you guys have any opinions about this song? I think it's probably the most throwaway one of the entire film. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I wrote my notes about 10 minutes after watching the film at the weekend, and I could not remember what this yeah, song was. Yeah. And I still can't now. It, well, it, how is a bat hat yeah. better than a rat hat? <laughs> just this, man. Just this. I've got to accept it. You just need to know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen this film like 15 times in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I still don't really remember how this one goes. No. There's a lot of melding into one, I think, from this point on. Well, well. So we won't, we won't, we won't linger too much on it. Um, it's quite dull to look at this one as well. There is a couple of things going. It's very grey. Yeah, it's very grey. It's when you really realise that Halloween Town is very much just that grey backdrop <laughs> with not much happening. Um, I think it, what's interesting actually about I think you you mentioned there before the what what's this uh, when we talked about what's this in the last episode that it looked very real in terms of there was a lot of just going on in the background. I think what they said about Halloween Town was that they wanted to make it look a bit like a pop up book. And I think, like, okay. with okay. this song, you really see that it is a bit... It does yeah. feel a bit yeah. flat, and uh, there isn't much going on. <laughs> it's probably not what they were going for. Like, yeah. Got you. Flat. Got you. Flat. <laughs> Can easily be put away. Bit boring. Only going to look at it once. Let's fold it down and move on to the Oogie Boogie song. Whoa. Which is the only song, really, that's sung by someone other than, than Danny Elfman or Catherine O'Hara, and that is a cabaret singer, Gold Ken Page. And it is um, Santa, oh, Sandy Claus, has been kidnapped by Lock, Shock, and Barrel, and they have taken him against the wishes of Jack to the Oogie Boogie Man in a very satisfying sack. They deliver him there, and then this weird sort of quasi-sexual <laughs> performance Quasi? begins. Quasi? What, what a phrase. <laughs> so what do you guys think? I just feel like, you know, like you were saying, like even in the realm of Halloween Town, there's something that's bad and scary. Could they made it more than than a pillow? <laughs> sack. I mean, like sack. when it when it's like seam comes out and like the spiders. Yeah, that's kind of crude. But in general, it's a neon pillow. <laughs> like, I mean, come on, Tim. I know there's some there's some weird shit in your head. It's got to be more than this. Also, yeah, it just reminds me of like the uh, like it's, the, it's like those the crab song in Moana. It's just like the the left field song. It's exactly. Yeah, that is one hundred percent inspired by this. I think. Yeah, because like even the, the phosphorescence and everything. And villain songs are always the weakest songs, yeah. and this this yeah. one Oogie Boogie song is just no different. Doesn't mean they're bad; they're just the weakest. It's bad in this case. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But usually the villain song is the is the weakest. Just doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah, yeah. I think there are worse songs in this than than this one. But in terms of the main songs, like if we were to crowd the ones that feel like just there for exposition like town meeting song jack's obsession if we're talking about the main songs this is the weakest i would say yeah definitely i mean it doesn't help for me i don't know if you guys agree that i just don't care about oogie boogie in the story yep he doesn't really have a role in the story when you think about it no like jack's the main character and nothing that he does in the first hour would be different if oogie boogie wasn't there like he still discovers christmas town yeah, still yeah. pushes for, to have a Christmas, well, to embrace Christmas in Halloween Town. Still gives Santa his uh, vacation, in inverted commas. Still ignores Sally. Still fucks up gift giving. 
Saul decides not to do it in the future. That's it. That's that's the story. <laughs> and Oogie Boogie's not in that story. He's <laughs> not, not included. <laughs> I one hundred. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Like it, it feels like they needed something in there as an antagonist in some way, or to provide an ending. So it feels like this character is shoehorned in there. He is just a burlap sack <laughs> who glows green. Did this scene remind anyone else of Quasar? Yeah. Just yeah, yeah. and like an old style ghost trains. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I mean, I did say at the beginning that, I, that this is like a quasi sort of sexual like thing. Quasar sexual. Quasar sexual. Quasar sexual. I mean, yeah. do you do you guys get that vibe that it's weirdly like? It's kind of, he's about to commit some sort of, some sort of it, yeah. crude erotic act upon Santa. <laughs> it's like he's about to start playing my Sharona. Yeah. Good <laughs> God, that's a deep dive of a reference. <laughs> yeah, there's just something a bit like creepy, but not in a scary kind of way going on here. I don't know what it is. Yeah, he's yeah. got a very uh, sort of velvety voice as well, which doesn't help. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the, it's one of those ones in which, like, you know, when you, if you if you. <laughs> You're gonna. You're not gonna stop your kids from watching this film because it's too scary. You're gonna stop it because that's. It's gonna remind them of that creepy uncle that visits at Christmas time. That, that's you know busts out. He's had a few too many eggnogs and he's he's uh, asking if you've got any sort of like. Uh, he's asking for your dress up outfit so that you can start singing. Uh, I don't know, like Cindy Lauper or something. <laughs> wow, that was very specific. <laughs> something you're not telling us. <laughs> But I mean, like this song isn't the only time that his kind of like creepy, weird sexual nature comes out. Because there's a part later on with the with us when Sally sort of like has her disembodied leg like sticking out. He's like, "Ooh, a leg!" <laughs> <laughs> and he like gets distracted. He's, he's been locked up. Bless. Yeah. So it's uh yeah a bit odd. Um. But yeah, I've not got too much more to say. Oh, well, the, no, the, I don't think we should. Well, the only the only thing actually which you guys are probably happy about was that originally the song and the scene was longer. And it was actually cut just for narrative purposes because it, it was going on too long and it was just, uh, yeah, like, not relevant, <laughs> probably. <laughs> doesn't serve much of a narrative purpose other than to introduce him as a character and, like, we've established there isn't much point to him as a character anyway, really. He sort of feels like he was added to the film for merchandise. Oh. <laughs> Do you know who did the cover for this in the uh, in the sort of remade album? On. Rodrigo and Gabriela, you know the, um, the sort of classical, the sort of classical guitar playing. Yeah, like sort of Spanish. <laughs> what is that going to sound like? So we shall move on to the next song, which is kind of a return to form, or it's very, certainly a return to a kind of motif from earlier in the film. <laughs> it's to return to a song, yes, uh, <laughs> and that is well, it's got song in the title, and it's Sally's song, which is sang by Catherine O'Hara, who did the voice of Sally, and also plays Kevin's mum in Home Alone, of course. And uh, Dee will mention that she's in Shit's Creek. She is. And she was also in Beetlejuice, of course. So the, another Tim Burton connection. So yes, yeah, so this comes as Sally is lamenting over the fact that Jack is going into this weird Christmas concoction. Um, and it could go drast- drastically wrong. And also it's a bit of a... Uh, it's a song of longing, I suppose. A longing for Jack or the way that she wants Jack yeah, to Yeah, it's, it's like a, the song of unrequited love, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's good, that, so it's also known as Eponine's song. <laughs> Should not even be compared to that banger. True. I mean, it's it's thematically the same, I guess. Maybe not. Maybe not musically. It polishes the boots of that song. But, um, in fact, actually, it didn't come first. <laughs> so you're about to say. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say. Like visually, it looks similar. Oh yeah, yeah. It it's does actually. Yeah, with the gate yeah, as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. like the cobbled yeah, yeah, street. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> interesting. The big iron gates. Yeah, no, that is interesting. It does. It does look similar. Uh, this is more grey. Although that is a very wet scene in um in, Les Mis, in the isn't movie. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so, what do you guys think of this song? 
I mean, I, I quite like it as a, as a song. It's one of the probably the top half of the songs in this. But um, to me, yeah. it just it just kind of reminds me just that for me, Sally is such a poorly developed character in this. Yeah. Like, it's just like why have her? Yeah, yeah. This song is completely unearned in the film. Yeah. <laughs> like, you've, you've you've taken a five minute break for Sally when the amount of character development she's had so far is that that duck professor basically went, "I made you." I, yeah, I just think they could have done a lot more with her. I mean, it's an 80-minute film. You know, you're trying to do a lot of world-building and a lot of exposition. But yeah, it's just, it's just very much like, you know, notice me, notice me. Why won't you notice me? I'm doing these things for you. Why won't you notice me? And like I said, I like the song, and I think it fits that mood and what we do get of her character. I just think we could just do a lot more. Um, I think he made up for in Corpse Bride. As in the character, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> well, that case, you know, that sort of similar yeah. character, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And Sleepy I Hollow. Think there's not much wrong with this song other than the fact that the rest of the film lets it down <laughs> in terms of it does yeah, it doesn't it doesn't build up to this moment. It just feels like it's shoehorned in. Yeah. The character of Sally very much is. Of course of course we'll we'll see the song reprised at the end where Sally and Jack sing it together different lyrics. But again, that makes doesn't make much sense because the the love story again is not important to this overall narrative and it's not important to jack no, himself like where it, he doesn't even he doesn't even register it like and then at the end it's just like oh yeah no of course we're meant to be together and this feels like it's there's a concept here that's not stitched together correctly in terms of the script and the songs don't do enough on their own to create the idea or to, to build the characters because songs i don't know if they can do that by themselves yeah so I think that it's let down, but I think it is a nice song. I think it's one of the nicer songs. I think if you listen to them all in isolation, it's very well written, and I think it it fits with the with the better songs. It fits very nicely in that collection of songs, but not as a as a as playing a role in a film because it just feels yeah like it shouldn't be there. But yeah, um, again, not not much more to say. Catherine O'Hara apparently was very, very nervous about singing because she had never done that before. But I think the performance is nice. It's kind of... Um, it's, it reminded me a bit of the performance in Prince of Egypt of When You Believe in that it's quite tender because it's mm. not overly produced. So it feels quite natural. It feels like the character is yeah. singing it, which I think is, is a nice touch. And I think that's kind of one of the things that does really work well in this film because we've talked about Danny Elfman as well, that it feels like it's the character singing. It doesn't feel like it's these big, massive, overly produced numbers that, except for maybe the Oogie Boogie song. Um, and so, yeah, so I think that that definitely has that going for it. But yeah, I just wish it kind of fit more into the film or that, that character was developed a bit more. Um, so we'll move on to the what is really the last proper song. The song is Poor Jack. What do you guys think? It comes, Jack's just been shot down by the military and has landed on a statue dressed in uh, his Santa Claus outfit. Everything has gone drastically wrong. And without much reason, he changes his perspective on everything that's happened so far. So, yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, it's a bit like Jack's obsession song for me. Just watching him shift through various stages of grief, shame, depression, despair, elation, mania. Uh, oh wait, I've got to sort some things out uh, and then back. I think the song's pretty poor, but it's quite interesting to watch. Uh, I do think Jack is a very interesting character. It feels like they're trying to wrap up the film in a neat little package, yeah. but it doesn't work. It, it it doesn't land. But it's more Danny Elfman singing with his uh, shockingly great voice. So uh, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Yeah, well, I think it's it's for me is a parallel to the second song, the Jack's Lament song. 
and it's trying yeah. to do the same thing but it instead of introducing an idea like you say it's trying to wrap up an idea too quickly and the film just hasn't like you used a really good phrase in when we're talking about the last Sunday about earning the film earning the song and I also think the film earns the song <laughs> the shift of his character between he just flips so quickly from like disappointment at how like this whole endeavor has not gone the way he wanted to being like no but the reason it didn't do that is because actually I was better off as I was as the pumpkin king in my original role even though at the beginning of the film I hated it so much that I yeah. decided that I wanted to change it just it's this point where it the film actually loses me because then you have that whole weird finale where he goes and battles Oogie Boogie to save Sally and Santa for for, for no re- a real reason other than he likes them more than him. You know, there's no there's no real reason for him to do that necessarily because we've not really seen much of a connection between him and Sally up until that point. Does he really does he really care about Santa? Not really, because he's you know. <laughs> kidnapped him yeah it's it's almost like he saved santa because the audience cares about santa yeah yeah that's a really good way of putting As in the it, children yeah. watching it's like we have to save santa so he has to save santa but there's no real reason for him to do that because he's already had his moment of revelation that he wants to be the pumpkin king and is it there's something that the pumpkin king would even do i don't know it's just it's just this this song even though i quite i quite like it because i like the way i do like the tonal shifts that it has in there because it's trying to develop the character in a way that feels finite, like it's fully developed. I just don't think it delivers on that properly. I mean, we can talk about the fi- the finale song, which is mm. comes after that scene with Oogie Boogie. Snow arrives in Halloween Town, which I think is the only actual fundamental change that happens <laughs> in the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again, are probably only there just to serve a really beautiful final shot when Jack and Sally are singing together on top of the, the hill in front of the moon. And it's a reprise of Sally's song, but Jack inexplicably uh, is now in love with Sally and no one really knows why. Yeah, it's just it's not earned <laughs> yeah. at all again. <laughs> yeah, but this, this, this 100% goes back to the idea that of the poems and, and the visual element of it. Like, it looks stunning, this final mm. shot. Oh, yeah. And having a, a creepy s- spidery skeleton and... Uh, a zombie lady falling in love, standing on top of a hill in the snow in front of the moon. It's a beautiful idea, but in the context of the film, doesn't make any sense. <laughs> other than it's a, it's an apparent ending. It, it's a definite visual cue to the audience that the film's ended. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just feels like it should have been another ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah, it just it just feels like they should have spent more effort on developing that side of it. If that's indeed how they always want, if they if they knew that that was the final shot, then that's actually what it should have been building towards, rather than the Jack as Santa moment. Yeah, just just a few yeah. occasional sort yeah. of interactions between Jack and Sally, just to know like they like they're aware of each other. Like you know, this isn't just some almost love at first sight. But you know, the film is supposed to be odd. Yeah, the film is supposed to be odd, and I feel yeah. that, that part of the reason why it's got such a cult status is because it feels so like weird. And it's kind of like yeah. you have to fill in the gaps in a lot of ways, but that's why it works as a as a as a sketch pad with accompanying poems. Is that it's kind of like you fill in the gaps yourself, you know. But then when you're watching a film, the script has to do that in some ways yeah. for you, and that's what's missing probably. Yeah. It's quite like Alice in Wonderland in a way. Yeah, it's like a series of connected yeah. scene, like just scene after scene after scene, but not really much of the thread. But yeah, so that's that's my entire notes. 
So, watching this film the other day reminded me just how amazing the world of stop-motion animation is. And we have reminded ourselves of a few of the great stop-motion films, for which we feel they are anyway. But I want to know, according to the website Rotten Tomatoes, what are the five greatest stop-motion animation films? Feature films. Feature films. Oh, okay. Uh, and does that mean like the fully film? The full film the is fully film stop film. motion. The fully film. Yeah. Is, is the uh, fully film film wh- stop motion mush? What's what's a film that's half stop motion? Like Monkey Bone. Uh, like Jason the Argonauts. Uh, like uh, Robocop. Right. I don't think Robocop. Robocop is that stop motion? Is the, the uh, yeah? Ed two or nine? Wow. <laughs> Did not know that. Okay. Uh, no, I think these are all stop motion. Well, I mean, Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, yep, in there. Nailed Number it. four. Coraline. No. Co- wait, did you say that? Co- so Coraline's not in the top five? Coraline is not in. No, it's in the top ten, but it's not. So this is the highest rated, sorry, on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Uh, the highest rated, yeah, so you know, yeah, so the percentage. Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Uh, yes, Curse of the Were-Rabbit's number three. Ooh, okay. Chicken Run. No, Chicken Run. Chicken Run is the highest box office of any sort of um, stop-motion film, I think. Um, The Isle of Dogs. No, good shout though. Great film, but no. Fantastic Mr. Fox. Fantastic Mr. Fox number five. Kubo and the Two Strings. Kubo and Two Strings number two. Oh dear, good one. Um, I mean, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a French film, <laughs> the, the, but it's in English. Chocolat. <laughs> Ma- Mary and Max. No, good. Oh no, it's good though. That one. That's another good shout. I think that's Australian. Came out in 2016. Oh, 2016. Is it something we would know? I don't know because I don't know what you watch. <laughs> I have seen this film. Is it? And this is number one. Yes, number one. Ninety-nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Ha, go, often goes by two names. Uh, it, the last word is a type of fr- of uh, vegetable. Big carrot. <laughs> yes, then you well done, Dave. It's big yeah, carrot. Because big carrot. <laughs> <laughs> you got any guesses, Alex? <laughs> for uh, the film is called My Life as a Zucchini or My Life as a Courgette. No, no, never, never heard yeah, of it. Yeah, she's, she's about a kid who, yeah. like, uh, like a foster home. Uh, technically, there is a different number one, but I don't include it because it has no review since it, really, since it came out in 1937, uh, called The Tale of the Fox. Um, oh, of course. But that's not really fair when you've got, like, two reviews to give it 100%. <laughs> it's such as, such as why, uh, I think Superman, Superman 3's Metacritic is 100 out of 100. I can't believe that Coraline wasn't in the top five. I would consider that the best. And now Coraline was a number eight. Yeah. Some people did not like it. But that does not mean much, again, it's how much it's liked, not necessarily how good of a film it is. Right, so now it's time to do best song. Obviously, we didn't give us away in the first episode, so uh, this is going to be quite the segment. The shock of you saying something other than, what's this, would put me in the hospital. <laughs> uh, what's this? It's a big building with patients, but that's not important right now. Brilliant, love it. <laughs> Dear, can see that coming a mile away. <laughs> <laughs> what's your favourite song? Um, it's Jack's Lament. No, it's What's This. But Jack's Lament is my second favourite song. What about you, Ben? Uh, it's What's This. And I think What's This is probably better than the entire film. Yes. We don't, we're not doing sort of song or movie in this, but I just think this actually What's This might be better than the entire film. I love the film, but that song is just oh, absolutely genius. It's another, that scene with that song from that movie, Problem. I, I like what's this too much to pick anything else, and and it is the most Christmassy song. I mean, the the choice the, there was like three songs to choose from, really. 
the film starts off strongly. I think the fir- I genuinely oh, think yeah, the first yeah. three songs are the three best songs of the film. The rest of them you can skip over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And most of the film you can skip over. It's all, <laughs> oh, it's all concept. It's all concept. All style. So that brings an end to another episode of that song from that movie. Let us know which song you think is better on Twitter. Alex, what is our Twitter handle? TSFTMPod. Nice. And you can help the podcast by sharing this in many places. One of the places you can share it is Reddit. But Ben, what random subreddit Ooh, should they pick this God. week? Uh, the Flyleaf subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so you can also help the podcast by buying our merch, signing up to our Patreon, and a third thing, which I've forgotten, leaving a review. Leave a f- review, five-star review, wherever you get your podcasts. The links are in the show notes and on social media. So all that's left now is to do some goodbyes. It's goodbye from myself and Santa. <laughs> He stayed the whole time. Certainly did. Disapprovingly, but he did stay the whole time. And it's goodbye from Alex. I'm a master of fright and a demon of light, and I'll scare you right out of your pants. <laughs> Is that Oogie Boogie? Be more sexual. It's actually not. It's Jack Skellington. But if it was said in Oogie Boogie's voice, it would definitely be, <laughs> definitely be sexual. <laughs> <laughs> and goodbye from Ben. Have I possibly gone daffy? Yes. So goodbye, everybody. Bye. Toodles. I'm only an elected official. <laughs> make decisions by myself. Take that, all politicians. <laughs>I think it probably just comes from it's that like um what was how was I gonna put it then? I think I've forgotten what I was gonna say. Um damn. Oh well. I'm sure it was something brilliant. <laughs> it probably was going to be. Um, <laughs> but just pretend you said it. Oh it was such a good point then. <laughs> oh wow. <laughs> wow.